Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And uh, guys, football is back. Some high school games starting tonight. Recruiting's in full swing, but there is some news from a uh, Texas uh, a target, recruiting target, DeAndre Carter, Jerry, and I'm going to let you go ahead and start with that. Yeah, first of all, all the all the hook em good mornings from all around the country and all around the world. That's awesome to see every day. Uh, DeAndre Carter, four-star out of modern day, uh, scheduled to announce September 3rd. Uh, all the picks are for Auburn, and, and Auburn's been pushing to get this done before uh, the season. Uh, obviously, modern days begins their season tonight. They're putting their number one national ranking on the line against Corona Centennial, who I believe is ranked 14. Uh, but I'm not picking against modern day. I'll tell you that they have a, a thousand division one players. Um, they're busting from everywhere. Uh, but yeah, DeAndre Carter, I, I look, I think this has been Auburn, Texas. He's been scheduled to visit Texas officially uh, for the Kansas game, September 30th. Uh, all signs point to Auburn. We'll see as it gets closer to um, September 3rd. But Texas, does, Texas feels like they have a shot here. Um, hey, hey. Jerry, now, he hasn't got an official visit. That's he made an unofficial visit in, in the spring. Hey, Jerry, I've got to ask you to comment a little bit further on that. So, Brandon Baker, who you've been, you've had a, I think, a, a RPM pick in for Texas for a while. He's teammates. Is that going to have any kind of uh, combined effect there, or are these two separate recruitments? Yeah, two separate recruitments. Um, those are two totally different recruitments. Now, when DeAndre Carter made the June, uh, January 21st Elite Junior Day unofficial visit with his family, he went back and had such good things to say about Texas. I think that helped Texas with Brandon Baker early on in that recruitment, but they haven't visited any school, the same school. So I think their recruitments are totally different, separate from each other. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's not a factor. I do think... Uh, DeAndre Carter's family really liked the Texas unofficial visit, but they made they made June officials to Michigan State and Auburn. So if he happened to pick Texas on the third, he'd be doing so kind of against all odds in recruiting right now. Well, there was some bad news for a former uh, Texas player last night when Moro Ojomo and Tyree Cleveland, both of those guys uh, with some injury scares. Bobby, uh, can you fill everybody in on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jomo uh, left the uh, – there, there's a uh, – Morrow played at Texas, obviously, from Katy. Uh, just got drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason. Uh, he was injured uh, and carted off the field, neck secured, um, last night in the fourth quarter uh, of a preseason game with the Browns. Uh, he did flash the thumbs-up sign to everyone. He has feeling in all his extremities. I'm being told that it was just precautionary – but certainly our thoughts go out to him and his family. Uh, really uh, devastating news, potentially. Although, if it was just precautionary, fingers crossed, uh, Moro uh, will be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll wait and see and probably know more a little bit later today about the extent of his injuries. But he does have, just to be clear, he does have feeling and movement in all extremities. So it's not the worst of the worst, right? That that everybody worries about when you you see something like that happen. Hey, so, bring uh, back bring back uh, Courtney Garcia. Courtney Garcia, right here. Morning and hook them from Lufkin. For those <laughs> on the on this uh, chat not familiar, Courtney Garcia uh, in Mac Brown's first signing class at the University of Texas. Uh, we need to get Courtney on the show. 
Yeah. Like, or give me a DM, DM on Twitter. Let's get you on the show. Catch up. Catch up. What's going on? Talk about Texas Longhorns football. Uh, that that guy could run, man, really quick, Bobby. <laughs> no, he and Miguel McKay, right? Uh, wow. Out of Lufkin, part of Max final first class, along with the the Texas City Four. For the people that remember that, uh, Jermaine Everett, Anderson, Irvis Hill, uh, Everett Rawls, and Tyrone Jones. Uh, yeah. How's that uh, for the four from Texas City, along with Miguel McKay uh, and uh, Courtney Garcia? I think Adam Dunn was part of that class too. Montreal uh, Flowers. Montreal Flowers. Mike Williams, top five pick. I think those were, I think, yes, all of those guys. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, plenty of time to get your questions in. Please do so. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. And uh, if y'all are ready, I guess let's start getting to these questions on this Friday morning. Let's do it's it. Hot, hot Friday morning. <laughs> I think Maybe where you're at, Blake, but I've got air conditioning in my room. <laughs> <laughs> Today's supposed to be the hottest day of the year here. All right. The bread says Terry Bussey will make an unofficial visit before his scheduled date. Can Texas still maybe pull this one out? Long shot. Bussey has to like early playing time, but is he ready to produce as a freshman early enrollee? Um, we'll see. I mean, I don't think the official uh, unofficial visit date has officially been scheduled. The only weekend he could come to Austin is uh, September 16th. He's scheduled to be at Alabama. September 9th, uh, I think I think there's a team from Texas playing in Tuscaloosa that night, and then it's September 23rd, he's uh, scheduled to be in L at, at LSU. Look, Texas is if Terry Bussey raised his hand, would Texas turn him down? I don't think they would. Is Terry Bussey an absolute priority right now? He hasn't been. That's Ryan Wingo. They have two, and look, Jordan Anderson is back in touch with Texas, um, so we'll see what happened. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, but Bussy has not. The only date he could come in is September 16th. So, Jerry, I know you talked about DeAndre Carter to open the show. This question from Zebred, though, is wanting to know, uh, is it a bad sign for Texas being able to get him? Obviously, with setting the commitment date. But the thing I'm more concerned about asking about him and Baker's relationship, has Baker been in his ear? Can you answer that? Well, I mean, um, I mean, Brandon Baker is, uh, uh, still has a decision to make himself. <laughs> I mean, Texas, Oregon, Ohio State. So uh, I just think these guys are two totally separate recruitments. Um, in fact, DeAndre Carter, he made the unofficial visit, like I said, to open the show at, in January for the Elite Junior Day. And he actually, him and his family had really good things to say and kind of helped Texas uh, get Baker on campus. Uh, so that that's kind of where that Brandon Baker push initially came from, even though Texas – was recruiting him heavily. They were having trouble getting him on campus um, after his junior season. Uh, so that's where that kind of came in. I, I just don't think they're they're not the same, similar in their recruitments. That mean they're not friends, don't get along and whatnot. Uh, but they're two totally different recruitments. And what you look, laws of recruiting say that kid's going to commit to Auburn on the third. He's officially visited Auburn. He's been considered a. Um, uh, he's been considering Auburn lean for a few weeks, but I was told this morning, Texas thinks they have a legitimate shot. So, and I think if that it is one of those two schools, so we'll see what happens as it gets closer to the third. All right, guys. Well, Texas high school football officially starts next week, but this week around some of the United States football is getting going for a lot of high schools. This question from Rudy O says, what are some of the must-see high school games early in the season? 
Well, the must-see game this weekend is tonight, and that is modern day number one in the country against Corona Centennial number 14. I think that's on Valley Sports West. You can find that one. That's Brandon Baker, DeAndre Carter, top 2025 running back Jordan Davis, and 2025 four-star wideout Marcus Harris, Nasir Wyatt, 2025 linebacker, all Texas offers and targets. Uh, a lot of big-time Texas targets in that game. I mean, modern day is probably the most as talented as any program in America. I mean, I know IMG has 23 three stars or more higher on their national team. I think Bobby Burton may take a peek at them tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say the thing to, to, to watch on modern day, it's not just, to your point, Jerry, it's just not the two offensive linemen that Texas is after this year. It's not just Brandon Baker and, and DeAndre Carter. It's also the receiver, uh, Marcus Harris, and, and the running back, Jordan Davison, as well as other guys. I mean, modern day, uh, that's – that's you got to remember, that's Steve Sarkeesian's old stomping ground. Yeah. And he's not going to stop that, right? Hey, look, so, that's the best backfield in American high school football. Uh, Frazier, the senior running back, is committed to Georgia. Jordan <laughs> Davison is, uh, you know, wanted by Texas and Ohio State, one-two in the backfield. <laughs> oh. I, 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 but uh, uh, also Texas, uh, two Texas commits are in action in a game that matters today or tonight. Uh, that is IMG Academy plays Lipscomb Academy in Nashville. I'm actually going to be there tonight uh, and I'll uh, be able to see Jordan Johnson Rubel, the safety uh, that uh, has been so pro Texas was nice enough uh, to come on our show as well as another guy that came on our show, Jarrett Gibson, the running back out of IMG. Uh, they've got a ton of other talent across the board. Uh, so I'll be there uh, later tonight. Uh, hope to, to watch a, a little football uh, that matters. It actually goes on their record. Uh, but uh, hey, Matt, our, our producer, Matt, do you have uh, that uh, that clip uh, showed that we want to show of Freddie DeBose this morning, uh, the Texas wide receiver commitment? This is from a scrimmage last night. Freddie DeBose catches the catches this little hitch here. This is his here. first playback, offensive playback from ACL surgery. That's first playback sticking on us a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's, there you go. He takes it to the house and his first play playback from, uh, from uh, surgery. Uh, Jerry uh, also uh, Justin Wells of inside Texas was up in uh, Waco yesterday uh, visiting with Kobe black, the five-star defensive back that Texas is all in on uh, Kobe, uh, according to Justin, and he'll have more in the humidor on inside Texas later today. Uh, but it, it sounded like Kobe may be coming to a decision sooner rather than later. No promises at this point. Uh, but that that uh, accelerated time frame might be very uh, good news for Texas fans. Furthermore, Kobe is playing multiple positions this year for Waco Connolly. He had a 60-yard TD run uh, last night, for example. So uh, a lot of games. There are probably – there are uh, across the state of Texas right now, by the way, Jerry and, and Blake, y'all know this. But just to tell uh, folks out there, there are scrimmages galore right now. So it is scrimmage season. Yeah, um, the, official, the regular season starts next Thursday for Texas high school football. Yeah. Two questions. IMG Lipscomb, I don't think that's on ESPN tonight. I think this no. is going to be a streamed game. Um, modern day, Valley Sports West uh, is where that one can be seen tonight. All right. Yep. ESPN only showing one high school game this weekend, and that's two teams in Georgia. Yeah. While we're on the subject of high school football, guys, I'm going to go ahead and ask this question from Josh Kubler. He says, you guys planning to see any huddle games this year? Any top tier prospects from this neck of the woods? Jerry? 
I don't have any plans to go see Hutto right now, uh, uh, but that doesn't mean I can't, I won't catch them against somebody, right? Um, Hutto is uh, they they've got a uh, pretty talented quarterback over there. Um, last time I checked, uh, Will Hammond, senior quarterback, is a very talented kid. Um, he is he's kind of been on the radar. He can't, he committed to Texas Tech. He kind of popped onto the radar last year. He was on it a little bit. Um, prior to junior year, but he really popped on the recruiting radar uh, this last year as a junior. He's committed to Texas Tech. Hodo has had a good run of quarterbacks over there, and they've got enough skill guys to go with him. All right, guys, we got a super chat here from Justin Yarbrough. He says, must-see game next week uh, for me is Texas City ah. versus Friendswood, mainly to talk smack to Jerry. Also, be sure to check out our Texas high school football thread on InsideTexas.com. Look, Justin – if you see Vernon Crawford, say he doesn't want any of this. All right? <laughs> and if you don't know who Vernon Crawford is, um, he trucked me in basketball. Um, I was trying to fight over a screen, and he told me I was not fighting over his screen, and I ended up hitting the hardwood uh, shoulder first. And he just kind of smiled and went about his business. <laughs> Vernon Crawford went to Florida State, Bobby. He was one of the top players in the country. That year, he, he was a talent, 6'5", 235. They played him at running back, linebacker, defensive end, hellacious talent. When I was a graduate assistant at the University of Houston, we actually recruited Vernon. Uh, he had a teammate at the time, uh, too, uh, that, that uh, we tried to recruit. Uh, but Vernon, uh, yeah, he, he, he put you on the hard way, hardwood on his way to the NFL and, and earning a paycheck there. <laughs> yes. So. I, I, a, little Jerry Hamilton did not have much of a chance there. And, man. Justin, you won't see Vernon Crawford. He's a high school coach in the Boston area. He stayed up in the Boston area after he got done playing with the Patriots. Hi, right, Jerry. We got one more Texas high school football question for you from Rob Enfield. He says, do you have any high school stuff you would recommend for Hayes County? God, what's the Hayes County cutoff? Go to San Marcos High and watch San Marcos this year. They're loaded. I uh, Go to San Marcos High. Their 2025 class is loaded. They got a – uh, linebacker, uh, running back kid that I think is going to be big time. Um, linebacker recruit quarterbacks, a D1 kid. They got a couple of wide outs. They got a loaded 25 class and, and 24. The top offensive tackle, Ori Williams, committed to LSU. He has first round pick potential down the line. Um, if he really puts it together, he's a, he's a hell of a talent. Hey, oh, hey, talk. I want to say oh, this go ahead, before Bobby. we go there. Did y'all see the thing in, in the uh, Major League Baseball the other day? that two Nebronfels Canyons players faced off against each other, Jordan Westerberg and I think Brody uh-huh. Brody Milner in, That's awesome. in Major League Baseball. They hadn't. They were high school teammates, and they're playing in Major League Baseball pitcher and a hitter uh, against one another. I thought that was cool, and that's, that's, that's not in Hayes County, but it's down in that central Texas region. Definitely, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Any, somebody asked any guys in Denton uh, – uh, that area didn't go to a Denton Geyer game. There's a freshman uh, tied in that's big time. Texas is already offered. Uh, they got a number of kids at Geyer. Denton Ryan obviously has some offensive tackle, Ty Haywood, that Texas is offered and, and some good young talent. I mean, those two schools are going to have power five guys every year. All right. Well, we talked high school football. Let's talk high school coaches with this question. Cinco de Mayor says, what is the general perception about Sark and staff from Texas high school coaches? It's tremendous. They like genuine guys. Here's what I'll tell you. There's a coach in the Austin area who 
my dad coached him in high school, so I've known him a long time. Um, and he retired this last year for the second time. Um, he, I asked him about Sark because I knew Sark came by his school. And he said, Jerry, what I appreciated about Steve Sarkeesian, he got on the board and we talked offensive football because this coach is one of the better offensive coaches in Texas for a long time at the high school level. He actually took the time and got on the board, um, and, and, and we went through a lot of stuff. He said, I actually learned something the day Sark came by our school. That is a great thing because let me tell you something, that's not always the case. And he called out a couple of other coaches for saying, I didn't learn anything from those guys. I mean, you know, they, they were just here. I wanted to talk ball. They didn't – when they started talking ball, he said, I didn't feel like I learned anything. He said, Sark actually helped us become a better coaching staff when he stopped. But I think the perception is tremendous. Um, look, I mean, Bo Davis, I think, is a very known commodity in Southeast Houston, Golden Triangle, Jeff Banks in DFW. Um, you just go down the list. Blake Gideon in the Syntex uh, area down in the San Antonio in the Houston area. I think Texas is uh, – this staff has, is getting very good reviews from the high school coaches. Blake's dad, by the way, former head coach at Leander. Yeah, I mean, so he, they, I would agree, and that helps, uh, you know. And unlike Jimbo, he, uh, Steve didn't uh, bail on the Texas High School Coaches Association this year either. Just, just putting that out there. <laughs> I mean, look, these guys are. I, I, I don't think Texas high school coaches, though, Jerry, and, and you and I have talked about this. They don't hold the sway they once did with right. recruits but they still have some influence, yeah. right? And if you're the head coach at the University of Texas, you're representing the state of Texas, yeah, right? And so I, I think it's important for the head coach at the University of Texas to have a really good relationship with the high school coaches as a whole. Um, frankly, Tom Herman did not have that. Correct. And I think it's one of the reasons why he was on a short lease at times. Yeah. Uh, with with his uh, career at Texas. All right, guys, let's uh, switch gears here and, and and go from high school football over to some of the actual Texas football here. And let's see here. Green Valley Six says, "What step does Sark need to take this year that you want to see?" Mine would be not going through three and out play calling. Sometimes he calls three plays in a row, like if he doesn't want, like he doesn't want the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I assure you, he wants the ball. Um, what what's the what is that? Uh, what did, what did uh, we hear that uh, he said once on the on the headsets? Like uh, something like uh, I just had I I had play calling like play callers block. I had play callers block or something. Sorry guys, I had play callers block. That's from a former coach with Sark uh, back in the 2021 season. <laughs> that that makes total sense because that's what it feels like sometimes when we see that. But I think the great thing about him is he's got a at least he he knows it, so he's self-aware. That's yeah. going back to one of the reasons why I think he's good with not just other high school coaches and other coaches in general and they like to to work with him is he's self-aware. Yeah. He's not an I mean, he may every coach I know has an ego to some level, right, Jerry? Hundred percent. But he's self-aware about it, so that it makes other people comfortable that they can actually talk to him uh, and get going in that regard. All right, we have a super chat here from Michael Williams, 
And Michael says, with what we know right now about the offense, what formation do you think will be the most productive? I think it's 11 personnel. That's where I was going as well. Yeah, I mean, I think in what, what to just go back to what, what that is, because we have a lot of new viewers at times, 11 personnel, the first number is the number of running backs on the field. The second number is the number of tight ends. So 11 personnel would obviously be one running back, one tight end, and three receivers. The thing that I like about that is you could literally create a 11 personnel with either, um, not only could you do the orbit stuff with Xavier Worthy in the backfield, essentially, you could also create one with uh, Jatavian Sanders as like an H-back for more of a power look. You could create uh, Jordan Whittington in, in a flex look. There's all kinds of things you can do with that personnel grouping, given the I really think it depends a lot, Jerry, on the uh, flexibility and ability of Jatavian Sanders by having that tight end that can be both a blocker and a, 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 another guy. I think it's uh, I think it could be huge. I, I'll say this, too. Um, I think this is to run 11 personnel maximize it offensive line has to be really good this year that that's absolutely putting more pressure on the offensive line and pass pro right and that's what i've been saying about the alabama game uh since we started talking about this months ago i think it's actually an offensive line game for texas this is the offensive line has to play really well to do what sark ideally wants to do and attack alabama offensive line play is going to be huge they're going to put these tackles on more violence this year um, interior guys are going to have to hold up against some athleticism a little better in pass pro. Um, but it's, it's offensive line has to play at a high level to maximize this. Hey, Jerry. And, and on top of that, when they go up against Alabama, Texas fans should not expect perfection. Correct. They're playing against NFL. Texas will be playing. Don't expect them to go out and make every block, n- not give up any sacks, <laughs> yada, yada. Expect a, game where there are multiple NFL players playing against one another. Um, and that, my friends, will be will look like more like the stalemate you often see in NFL games, where one guy will get the best one time and another guy will get the best the other time. So I, I would agree with Jerry that whatever offense is run, it, it largely will be predicated on the effectiveness of, of the offensive line. Hey, by the way, well, not to get on a tangent about former high school players didn't pan out at Texas, but when I saw Michael Williams in the super chat, he was an unbelievable, not that Michael Williams, I don't think unbelievable linebacker prospect coming out of Lindale. Unbelievable talent. He's one of the guys that didn't pan out that I had extremely high hopes for as, as his upside. And for those that don't remember Michael Williams, I mean, he's from the same town as a pretty famous country singer. I get it. But Michael Williams is a hell of a talent. <laughs> All right, this next question from Todd Lacey says, which unheralded player is generating a buzz behind the scenes and is likely to make an impact this season? Great question. Um, I think we're hearing a lot about Jure Bledsoe being a disruptor, a guy that was redshirted last year who may be starting to come into his own a little bit. I think this year is his see a lot of flashes year with more consistency than the Texas staff saw last year. 2024 and 2025 is when Texas fans will be like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be a draft pick for sure. Um, that's one for me, Bobby. Um, the know, buzz behind the scenes is kind of hard. Yeah. Um, 
because we've been so open about what's going on behind right. the scenes. Um, and so I, I want to be clear about that. One that we don't talk about enough, and I don't know that he's generating buzz, Jerry or, or Blake, uh, but he is a solid player and will we don't talk enough about Jet Bush as a guy that's going to spell Jalen Ford in the middle. Realize Jalen Ford, they want him to have fresh legs late in the season. Now, everybody gets beat up late. He's going to play 65 to 70 snaps of the 80 they face a game or whatever the number is, right? But Jet Bush needs to take 15 to 20 snaps a game probably. And he is a senior. They like him. Uh that's just a guy that I think is it's too much of an afterthought for Texas fans because when he played defensive end, he was so overwhelmed because that's just not his position. But at linebacker, he can give you 10 to 15 snaps a game, and that will help uh, Jalen Ford at all at that position. Now, you know, if Leonga LaFau and some guys like that come along, they're going to get worked in as well. But don't forget about Jet Bush. I, I know it's he's a former walk-on, and it's not a real sexy pick. Uh, but that's that's one of those guys when you start talking about he's a glue guy for me, Jerry. Yeah. Like, you, you know what I mean by that? Like certain teams have guys that, oh, uh, yeah, he's a nice player. He plays hard, you know, at every workout, 100 percent effort all the time. Those things matter. I think I think that uh, Jet Bush is is not to be forgotten on this team. Uh, and, and it's not because I want to say it, but um, Ryan Sanborn, the punter, the transfer punters are never going to get. A lot of buzz unless they're returning All-American like Shane Leckler or Michael Dixon. Uh, but he's being we, he's being talked about as a, as, a, as a very key portal pickup. Hang time. Yeah. Consistently. Uh, somebody's asking who I have RPMs out in the 24 class. I have to look at that right now, man. I'm a, uh, I know I have one in for Kobe Black half for months. Um, I'd have to take a look. A few more that maybe not even uh, Texas related. I have not put anything in for Brandon Baker, Dominic oh. Kinley. Um, oh, you didn't? You hadn't for Brandon Baker? I have not. Um, um, and I was trying to think. Ryan Wingo, I have not yet. Um, yeah. So, but I do have one in for Kobe. That's my mistake earlier, Jerry. I oh, said you right. had. All right, guys. We're going to take a, a question from the Inside Texas forums. And this is from SD Longhorn fan. He says, with Burke getting the nod at Buck, do you guys anticipate more passes batted down this season? Hopefully that added length on the line helps even when he doesn't get to the QB. Man, why not? He should, uh, to be fair. I, I would expect more. Uh, Tavondre Sweat did a good job on the interior. Uh, Baron Sorrell did not do much of that, though, Jerry. Um, I don't think last year. Uh, but Burke, certainly a lot of flare pass stuff, screen pass stuff. Uh, the extended length that he has should be uh, should be helpful in that regard. How good is he at it? That I don't know. Like some guys are just freaky at doing that, right? Yeah. Uh, they they kind of have a feel for it. I don't know if he has a, a true feel for it. So that's actually a SE Longhorn. That that's a that's a good question and something to watch, especially early in the season, first three games, because when you go and play, I don't know Texas Tech late. That can affect the Texas Tech game. Uh, TCU loves that little stuff out outside like that. If you can get them off their off their uh, off their normal, uh, that that would be a, a a big a big win and something I hadn't really thought about that much. 
Hey, Blake, somebody came back and asked. We got guys joining uh, this all throughout the hour. So if I repeat, but DeAndre Carter, he's asked, somebody asked about DeAndre Carter. Um, uh, DeAndre Carter is scheduled to announce before his official visit date at Texas, which is September 30th. All the picks are for Auburn. Recruiting science would tell you it's Auburn. I can tell you that Texas thinks they have a shot. So we'll see what he does here that first week in September. All right. Well, let's talk about another edge player. Excuse me. Shavan Patel says, how's Justice Finkley looking? He played a lot at edge last year, but was more effective as a run stopper than getting to the quarterback. Uh, Justice has gotten some uh, pub in the last week from Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Uh, he is now the definite backup to uh, Baron Sorrell on the strong side end. So uh, that is his position. That being said, I do think he's the first one off the bench at both end positions. Colton Vosick is currently the backup on a depth chart, in my my belief, uh, to Ethan Burke. But I actually think Finkley, they may have a three-man rotation instead of a four-man rotation early this season. Uh, and so that that's one that you need to talk about. He is more effective as a run stopper than a quarter than a than a quarterback guy. Uh, that's just that's the nature of his strengths as a football player. And speaking of Burke, Sharpshooter asks, with Burke's IQ and motor, do, don't you see him improving greatly over the season? I think he's. A, I think he improves uh, this year. He's added twenty pounds. He's got a year of experience. So yeah, he's going to definitely be a better player. I still think 24, 25 seasons are where you see what he can really become. Um, I, he's going to add more weight to that frame. He's going to look. He's a guy who missed. Uh, he was more later to football, right? He was a great lacrosse player. Not good. He was a great lacrosse prospect. Committed to some of the top programs in the country. His father played professionally. Um, and coaches the league out in Austin. Um, but, you know, he's still young in the game at, at that position. And so I really look at this year. Yeah, he takes a step up and he becomes a guy that Texas fans are like, okay, we see the improvement. He's definitely a better player this year. He's going to make some plays with that 84, 83, 84 inch wingspan and his really quick feet and his motor and his toughness. But I really think it's 24, 25 where we start to see what he, uh, Ethan Burke can become, Bobby. I, I think that he's a year away. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's unlike – I don't think he's unlike Baron Sorrell was a year ago. Yeah, correct. Yeah, Baron Sorrell picked it up a notch last year. Was not ideal, was not a – I mean, he, he actually had a really good year, five and a half sacks, I think. My point being, Baron Sorrell this year is really, truly ready to go. Baron Sorrell would start for just about – 85, 90% of college football teams. Last year, he would have probably started for about 50% of them. That's the difference. Ethan Burke this year probably starts for 30 or 40% of college football teams. Next year, if he continues to grain mass, et cetera, he's starting for 75 to 80% of them. Agree. Uh, we have a super chat here from Jimmy Trevino. He says, Texas pecan coffee this morning. Big game boomer is our biggest hater. Who would have thought he has our ceiling at 10 and two and floor at six and six. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, is, is he talking about stoops there? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say to him. I mean, uh, well, that's your big game boomer is he's talking about stoops, right? 
Obviously. There's a uh, social media account. That, oh, okay. That's big game, and he puts out his own projections oh, okay. and rankings. And yada, I feel yada, yada. so good that I don't know who that is right now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be honest. Um, well, I mean, so he's an Oklahoma fan. So what's what's their ceiling? Seven and six, floor five and seven. I'm feeling better about <laughs> Texas chances this year. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, if Texas in six and six as a floor, I I would. I don't know. Everybody's going to be on the floor. We're going to be doing a live stream with cameras down towards the floor. Us included. I mean, I think we'll be on the floor. Look, Texas, I would say the low end for Texas this year, if you're really talking about a floor, would be eight wins. Um, They're a better team than they were a year ago. Uh, That being said, you never know what what could happen some which way from injuries or just a bunch of different things could happen. Uh, but I would say eight wins would be a minimum for Texas this year. Uh, I think that if you think the ceiling for this team is 10 wins, you haven't seen them yet um, in person. So now that doesn't mean they're going to eclipse it. I'm just telling you, if you think that's the ceiling, you actually haven't physically watched this team because it is the most talented team that Texas has had in a decade and a half. Furthermore, Texas has won 10 games in that time frame. And I know for a fact this team is more talented than that one. Um, by the way, Texas pecan. I'm, I, I've got I've got uh, maple pecan this morning, guys. So <laughs> I'm a big coffee guy. Bobby, before we go on, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Andy Ludicky. Yeah, Andy Ludicky is a, a sponsor uh, of On Texas Football's live streams, uh, including uh, On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. Uh, Andy is a, a specialist or specializes in helping people set up their own businesses through the franchise model. Give Andy a call and he takes you through a process uh, that helps you figure out how to be your own boss someday. That means purchasing uh, a franchise and going through the process, figuring out which one is right for you. So if you want to leave the corporate rat race, have control of your own destiny, uh, have your own business, give Andy a shout at 404-973-9901. Or emailing at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. That's Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. And uh, we here at Coffee and Football and On Texas Football really do appreciate him and his uh, sponsorship, long-term sponsorship of the show. Hi, Bobby. This is actually going to be a good time to take this question and for all of our newer newer viewers to kind of run down uh, the schedule. James McDaniel says, if this live session is a Q&A, will there still be an afternoon session? So can you expound on that and kind of tell everybody what your plans are moving forward? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. So um, this is ab- absolutely a live Q&A every morning, eight to nine, but we're going to have news of the day to start everybody off. That's the kind of idea behind coffee and football uh, to get the latest happenings, whether it's uh, the team uh, recruiting related or something uh, that's going on uh, as it relates to the University of Texas or college football in general that we need to uh, we want to address uh, that could impact Texas. So that's number one. Uh, we will still have afternoon and evening uh, Q&A's like today. We have one at one o'clock. Ian Boyd, our X's and O's expert, will join us. We're going to talk there a little bit about Jake Majors. Uh, Ian wrote a really, really uh, good article uh, for Inside Texas earlier today about that. I think there's some other news coming out uh, later today that we're going to cover as well. Uh, so that's that's that. We also do live live uh, stream, what we call live streams on Sunday night and Tuesday night as well. We may be adding more of those as the season progresses and as we add uh, more talent 
uh, to the roster here at on Texas football. Uh, but look, guys, uh, the, oh, the one other thing I want to mention there on football Fridays. So game day Fridays, we are going to move the Friday afternoon chat from one to two to three to four. And one of the reasons we're doing that is every Texas home game, I'm going to be live at the co-op doing a remote. So you'll be able to come by. They have it's it's a happy hour for the co-op. So they have drinks. You can come by, hang out with us, uh, whatever you want to do. Uh, but three to four on home football Fridays, I'll be down at the co-op. Uh, come on by and visit. I think they're going to do some giveaways, things like that as well. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right. Yeah, that's going to be awesome for sure. Well, some more Texas high school football talk, guys. This right here, the Super Chat. Uh, Forrest Eldridge says, y'all talking about high school football is making my PTSD flare up. Still have nightmares of trying to cover Deshaun Hales, then continuing to go zero and ten the rest of the year at Willis. Hey, Will Willis was on a bad streak back then, Forrest. I guess they upgraded the talent, huh? <laughs> <laughs> not current company here with Forrest, notwithstanding, right? Yeah. No, well, hey, look, they have a five-star quarterback or close to it, DJ Lagway. Somebody said they're somebody's looking forward to watching Willis versus Connor Oakridge. Yeah, DJ Lagway versus Justin Williams and Joseph Jonah Jaune. I mean, that's going to be a heck of a matchup. And the running back, Frankie Arthur, Adrian Peterson's a little brother, committed to UCF for Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge, most talented team they've had in a long time. Uh, but, yeah, Deshaun Hales was a lot of fun on Friday nights, man. I mean, uh, was David Smith had Klein Oak rolling at that time, Bobby. Yeah, they were a good team and a lot of talent rolling through there. And by the way, David Smith once coached at OU. He had some very funny recruiting stories. As I can only imagine. Back as you can imagine. <laughs> yes. Well, while we're on the subject, Johnny P has a question for you. He says, any players from the Little Southwest Conference to watch out for? Midland, Odessa area. And then I'm going to expound on that too, guys, because someone asked about Abilene a minute ago and we didn't get to it. So if you know anybody in Abilene, Add that to the question as well, Jerry. Yeah, Ivan Carrion, 6'6", uh, receiver from Odessa High, flip from Texas Tech to Oklahoma, really good player um, out there, four-star prospect. So that's uh, he's probably the top prospect out there right now, um, or he's close to it, obviously. Um, but, yeah, now that's that's one for sure to, to take a look at right now. Okay, we got some more Super Chats that have rolled in that I'm going to go ahead and get to, guys. Victor Aldrich says, what's the deal with Hudson? I'm hearing he isn't sold on tech just yet. Well, uh, he, the more people say where Micah Hudson's going, the more he's going to push back. 
It happened early on with Texas when everybody was saying Texas was the favorite. He pushed back against that. And now everybody's expecting him to go to Tech. He's going to keep pushing back against that, I believe. Um, every day that goes by that he doesn't commit to Tech is um, um, one day close to those tortillas getting an expiration date that everybody's ready to throw in Lubbock uh, when he commits. So, But Texas Tech's still the favorite. But we'll see if he carries this all the way out to the Under Armour All-America game, which that's nice to talk about. Not many kids do. That'll be an interesting recruitment to follow, whether Texas is really in it or not. Texas remains in contact. And then we have a question here for you, Jerry, from Rick Tobelman. He says, how close are you to putting in an RPM on McKinley? <laughs> um, it chill out this weekend for sure. Um, I might, I might head out. I might, you might find me in Lafayette next week. That's the week before um, he commits. I might make a run out there next week. All right. We got a super chat from Chris King and bear with me here. Cause he had to make it in two different parts. Uh, he says, since we have one of the best receiver groups in the country, do you think we will be more pass happy or try to be run happy or more balanced? I think Sark wants to be balanced guys. I don't know that he's going to be able to be is the issue. I mean, some teams are going to predicate that for him. Like I think Alabama is not going to let Texas run the ball. Let, let's just be clear. They're going to make Quinn Ewers go into Tuscaloosa at night and beat them in the air. Right, Jerry? I mean, yes. That, and make the offensive line hold up and pass pro. That's exactly what's going to happen. Big sack turnovers, that sort of thing. That's what, that's what Nick Saban's hoping for. Um, other teams aren't going to have that luxury. Um, and so I feel like Sark has said it from the get-go. He wants to be balanced. So if he can be 50-50 or 55-45 one way or the other, he's going to take that route because I think that, that that's more his MO. Uh, I will say this, uh, at Bama, when he had a prolific offense, he was pass-heavy in the first half, run-heavy in the second half to bleed clock. So yeah, and he was and he was still 53 47 run versus pass run 53. I, I think ideally he wants to be 53 54 percent run. Yeah, I mean, you just control the game more. Yeah, Let, let's right. be, let's be clear. I mean, that being said, to, to, to Chris's point, you got a great receiver group, right? And so you got to accentuate your positives maybe in certain games, uh, to be the winner. And I, and I think that's going to come down to, to Steve Sarkeesian putting those guys in the right place. We have a follow-up question regarding this from Ski Breck. He says, Sark was 50-50 run pass last year, correct? No, I don't think that's correct. I'm actually looking that up right now, not with not with Bijan and those guys uh, and Roshan. I'm actually looking up what his percentage was. I think it was around 50-53. He was uh, 470 rushing attempts, 405 passing attempts. So, yeah, I mean, he's close to 50-50, but uh, – um, he always wants to be ideal in that 53% run area. That means he's running the ball well and throwing it well. That's when he's in control. Speaking of throwing it well, Zane Petty says, Good morning, fellas. I see Quinn throwing for more than 4,000 yards, over 40 touchdowns, and about eight interceptions. If he does that, would we have a legit shot at the playoffs? Love the show. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, if he puts up 4,000 passing yards and 40 touchdowns, with the clock running on first downs in college football this year, then absolutely. That would be a monster season. I don't think that's happening. Uh, that would be a monster season with this new uh, clock change rule. The big thing I keep going back to, Jerry, that I'm worried about as Texas takes to the air more, and Quinn, yours, because he has such an arm, 
uh, Jerry, and is able to really um, make that happen is, is the turnover number. Um, I'm really, you get two or three turnovers from the quarterback in a game, and that starts affecting the outcome of a game. One turnover is one thing. Two and three, you just don't want him to get them in, in droves, right? Right. Or in numbers. It, that's, it's not so much the 4,000. It's not even the 40 TDs. For me, you want that in that seven and below range for this season, just personally. Some people are saying on the chat that 4,000 is going to happen. I don't think so in 12 games. That's 333 yards passing per game. Well, what about four, What about 14, though? That is that is that is a better opportunity if Texas is clicking. Not in 12 games. That's 285 a game. Not going to need it. Look, if, 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 if Quinn has to throw, I'll say it again, if Quinn has to throw for 4,000 yards in a regular season, Texas isn't running the ball effectively. That's not what Sarkeesian wants to do. I got you. You've talked about the new clock rule. Um, so Mark B says, ask if y'all can explain the new clock rule. The clock runs every first down, even in the first quarter. Can y'all elaborate, please? Yeah, I'll take this, Jerry. Yeah, so in, in years past, anytime in college football you made a first down, the clock would stop until the chains are set for the next first down. Uh, if the ball was in play. Now, if it's if it's a run out of bounds and it's a first down, they stop it until it's set for play. It doesn't just keep running on an out-of-bounds play. Um, so the idea here is that it will take one to one and a half possessions away per game. That's the, the general thought right now. They don't have the numbers to prove that yet, though. Uh, so it's something that everybody, everyone will be monitoring. Again, they are doing away with essentially the uh, the first down timeout. So the end of the fourth quarter, that's going to be a big deal, uh, especially if you can run the ball and not go out of bounds. It's going to be, if you get behind big, it's going to be harder to come back. That's yes. one thing. And, and I'll say the other thing that I'm thinking about this more, never has first down run defense been more important than now with that clock change. If you have to, to stop the run on first downs. If the offense is getting five, six, seven, and they get into that second medium short, they can really control the clock more so now than they ever have been able to with that rule change. First down run defense is huge in college football now. Uh, I'll get ready because this is a loaded question. <laughs> Trey Johnson says, what is the ceiling for a potential UT defense with Simmons at Jack, Mitchell at nose, McKinley and Bosick on the other side, Hill at wheel, LaFowle at Mike, Muhammad Black at corner, McDonald at star, and Williams and Roberson at safety? This guy, this covered it all. He's got guys who haven't signed, guys who haven't committed. <laughs> this covers it all. Somebody's got a spreadsheet working right now, <laughs> um, which I admire and respect, by the way. I've had many of those. I used to do like best classes on a spreadsheet for like seven or eight teams nationally when I was doing national stuff. Um, oh, that's a ceiling for that potential defense. Now, Warren Roberson, he's he's playing boundary corner right now, guys. Um, so, and star. And, and star. star. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, um, I mean, the ceiling would be as good a defensive talent as Texas has had in – since Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers were dominating inside, even though and Quentin Jammer and those guys were at secondary, even though linebackers wouldn't be that level. DD Lewis was on that team. I mean, that team, that would be the most dominant personnel 
Since well, they, fin- they finished number one in the country in defense. Yeah, and you're never going to have two D tackles like that. Yeah, they did, Bobby. Uh, you're never going to have two D de- tackles line up next to each other that are that good at Texas again, in my opinion. I mean, Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers, we won't see that. Um, but you could see talent around them that uh, makes it as good a defense. I, I would say this. Um, they need more depth on the defensive front because it's not just the front-line starters that mm-hmm. give you your uh, ceiling. Yeah, in my opinion, it's it's withstanding injury. Can you get to the quarterback? That sort of thing. Somebody asked, do uh, y'all give UTSA a chance to upset Tennessee this year? Um, the one thing you know about trailers teams is they're gonna they're gonna make it tough for those teams to beat um, beat them up. I don't think they're gonna get beat up. They're gonna come in and play with great effort. They're gonna have a good scheme. They're gonna have a good plan. Much like the Texas game. I mean, at some point you just you run into the team that's more talented in the third and fourth quarter, uh, Frank Harris coming back. They did lose one of their really good receivers to the portal Ole Miss, but he was coming off major like ACL, MCL, PCL, the whole thing. So we'll see. I'm not sure that's as big a loss as it looks like last year. Um, UTSA is going to give everybody a game. They play Houston too. Uh, we got a super <laughs> chat here from Orlando Rivera. And he says, the offseason Kool-Aid for Texas is stronger this year than years past. Tell me why I should get drunk on it versus tipsy. <laughs> because Bobby doesn't just have coffee in his cup. He is not. Uh, <laughs> uh, with the water bottle. No vodka in here. All right. I, I've got to say this, guys. So um, my take on it is really pretty simple. I've been doing this for 30 years. I used to tape every single video, uh, every single practice of the University of Texas when I was in school, including a team that went to the Cotton Bowl uh, and got trounced by Miami. Um, I, I know the difference whenever I see guys that are that are NFL players and are not. Right. Um, and there is a number of them on this team. Now, and I've said this before, uh, that Texas team, for example, that went to the Cotton Bowl, I believe it was in 91, 92, uh, they were not a unbelievably talented team. They had a lot of talent, the Cash Brothers, uh, Johnny Walker, uh, Tommy Jeter, uh, James Patton, Oscar Giles, uh, Stanley Richard in the secondary. They had guys, Lance Gunn uh, at safety, but they didn't have numbers. And so when I went out and looked at practice this year for three times, I saw guys at every position. I mean, I'm serious now outside of punter and field goal kicker, which I, you know, it's hard to tell. They had NFL players at every single position on the roster. I don't know when the last time I could say that was about Texas. So from quarterback to running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, secondary, both secondary spots, NFL players. That's why. I mean, I'm not and, – and I'm high on this team, not – and I've drunk the Kool-Aid, not that because I think they're going to win the Big 12. Like, I can't predict that. That That's – part of that is how a team coalesces together and wins big games, right? I can just tell you they definitely have the most talent collection that they've had in 15 years, in my opinion. Now, what they do with it? Let's see. That's what that, that's what they play the games for, right? But so if why am I drinking the Kool-Aid? Because I've seen what's in it. <laughs> you know, I, I feel good about where I'm at. I I used I mean people used to call me the ultimate pessimist because I was like 
I don't know if Texas is going to win seven or eight games this year, and I would get roasted. And lo and behold, six or seven wins. Um, in the Char- Charlie Strong, even the late Mac Brown era, I feel differently this year right now. Now, again, I don't know how many wins that's really going to equate to, but this Texas team will look like a Texas team is supposed to look. That's the key. So uh, you, you will look you will look at a team that looks a little bit more like Georgia, a little bit more like Alabama uh, than it did four years ago, even though Texas won the Sugar Bowl against Georgia five years ago. So just that's that's why Orlando. I mean, uh, and I would I would say that to everybody. Jerry, you saw him in person too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll. Bobby's 100% agree with him. I'm going to put it in simpler terms from my perspective. There's more playmakers. There's more playmakers on the field at Texas. I expect there to be more playmakers than I've seen in a long time. And if that's the case and that comes to fruition, then you win more games. I mean, there's more playmakers on both sides of the ball. Um, you have the best offensive line talent. You actually have a legitimate eight-man rotation this year. Guys who are starters for 13 games this year. Somebody asked, is DJ Campbell starting right guard? Yes, he is. We've been saying that it was going to probably happen at Inside Texas since uh, June, July. Um, but they have a legitimate rotation of offensive linemen. But they have more playmakers on both sides of the ball than Texas has had in a long time. And, look, the reality is um, – Jalen Callen goes out and makes a play. That makes the next guy want to make a play, right? I mean, when you have more playmakers, there's a competitive spirit about making plays on the field. And Texas has more of those guys than they've had in a long time. Now, they got to stay healthy, like Bobby said. And that We'll see how many wins that equates to. But when you have more playmakers on the field. What does A.D. Mitchells do to Xavier Worthy, to right. Jason Sanders? Yep. What does Jonathan Brooks or Cedric Baxter Due to to the other, yeah, Keelan Robinson. Man, I, I that's where I'm at, Orlando, and in Texas fans, I, um, I I'm not a I'm not a guy that that uh, has been historically in the last ten years overly positive about the Texas program. I but I've been there and I see what Steve Sarkeesian's done to this roster. You guys, the first time you will see this team this fall, you will go, wow, that looks different. I'm just that's my if it doesn't come back on here and tell me you're full of it, Bobby. <laughs> I, I don't think you're I don't think that's going to be a problem. though. No, we had Matt Miller on ESPN draft analyst, and he said eight to ten draft picks. I mean, just go look. You can wiki Texas Longhorns in the NFL draft year <laughs> by year and go the last time that eight to ten guys were picked in the same draft. In a seven round draft, by the way. Correct. <laughs> Uh, well, we talked about Kool-Aid, but let's talk about a different type McKinstry. of Kool-Aid. <laughs> yes, David D says, will yours be able to challenge Kool-Aid or not throw his way? I didn't even know that was the question. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I, look, I mean, he he's not Deion Sanders, okay? He's a good player, and he's he has a chance to be a first-round draft pick, right? I don't think he's Patrick Peterson. I, I don't think we're looking at that. Um, and that's the thing I would say um, is or Daryl Stingley. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just I think he's a very good player, but I think yes, you, you can challenge him. He you, you don't walk into a game thing and oh my gosh, if the ball is 
just off the outside shoulder, this guy's picking it off and going back to the house. He's not that guy. He's a good, very good player, though, to be he, fair. He also gets a little grabby in coverage. A couple of different people have talked about that. Matt Miller, including. Yeah. By the way. And we're talking about the Kool-Aid McKinstry, who is the cornerback of out of Alabama. We should have, for those that didn't know that, we should have prefaced that conversation yes, with that bad. guy. I, should, I yep. definitely Sorry. should have said that. All right, well, we talked about Alabama's defensive back. Let's talk about Texas defensive backs. Poke Casino says, hook them on Texas football. Based off how our secondary is shaping out, do you think it's the number one secondary in the Big 12? I don't see how it's not. Um, TCU's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be – it would be Texas and TCU. Yeah. TCU's but got TCU a lost a couple guys now. They did. I, TCU they got a, heavier, they got a corner that's probably the best corner in the Big 12. Yeah. Safety's a really good player. Bud Clark and Newton. Yeah. Those two are guys. And then I have another one coming back at safety. I, yeah, I mean, they got three draft picks for sure out there. Those are the two. Right, we have a super chat here from William Neesh. He says, Bobby, Jerry, with all of your experience covering Texas football and your insights and thoughts on past coaches, recruits, and players, any chance of a book? You know, I've always said no for me on that. I know a lot of people want to have a book, but I, that's never been a thing for me. I'd rather sit here and talk to y'all about all of it, talk on Inside Texas about all of it. I'm not um, – that, that'll never – I'm not going to say it'll never be me. That's definitely not in my plans, though. But y'all ask the questions. I, I'd rather talk about it here. <laughs> I've, I've been approached for it before, but I, to Jerry's point, I mean, I've got other things going on that I prefer to do. Um, now I would never say never, uh, because I do feel like I, I've got a weird background because I was, uh, I was covering recruiting before the internet. And so there are some stories back in those days that, you know, I can't even imagine what would happen if I, if I put some of that out there these days. I mean, what, is there a picture of you, Alan Wallace and Max Imfinger together anywhere? <laughs> I've, I've not no, not to my knowledge, because I've never, I've never met Alan Wallace in person. Oh. I've never met him in person. All right, guys, this next question uh, is about tomorrow's scrimmage. Colin O says, "What's the main thing y'all are going to be paying attention to for tomorrow's scrimmage?" Um, quarterback play, uh, turnovers, effectiveness of both sides. I mean, those are the things I'm listening for. Uh, Jerry, what about you? Uh, coming away injury free again, major injury free again. Uh, seeing who that who they who they play and who they don't play in the second scrimmage. I mean, or do they do they or do are they going to play Jalen Callon in that scrimmage, or they just say he's game ready? Let's just save him for the game. I think that's going to be interesting to see. Jade Barron the same. Uh, Jerry, you know, it wouldn't be a morning show if we didn't ask this question or some variant of it. Alan Alcorn says Point five, five <laughs> over under commits before the Rice game. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'll take the over on that. I mean, I, I would definitely take the over on that yeah. because I think a couple of guys that that are on the cusp of committing um, before the season. Right. There's a couple guys that may be wanting to pop before the season. Uh, goes because they want to have that done before their own season begins. It's not so much the Texas season uh, that is the uh, barometer there as it is their own high school season. 
Okay, let's see here. The next question that we have is a super chat, and uh, it's from John Campbell. He actually has two, so we're going to knock both of those out. Did y'all hear about the bill proposed by Barbara yeah. Gervin Hawkins that would implement a transfer portal for UIL athletes? Talk about a surefire way to kill high school sports in Texas. I want an awful idea. <laughs> Agree. Awful. Awful idea. I I don't even know what else to say. I, I'd like our politicians to do something a little bit different. I'll just put it that way. Let's uh let's let's maybe pay attention to having better roads. You know <laughs> that that would be a bigger priority than NIL for a, a, a transfer portal for athletes. That that makes that makes no I mean, would there be high school coaches fist fighting in the street? <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, let's not do this. <laughs> that may, I mean, there are things that make no sense and there are things that make negative sense. That makes negative sense. <laughs> 100% agreed. And boy, if that ever happens, is that going to be a hell of a show? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go off like Bobby has on another subject of that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to save John Campbell's other super chat for the very last question today because it's kind of a late right, one. But by the way, that's a great question. <laughs> oh, is the other one? Yeah. 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 All right. Shillsbury says, love the talent, love the hop, love Sark's opening script. Won't love if games come down to Sark's second half adjustments. Does that get better in year three? I think, guys, I, I think y'all are missing something here. He improved over year in year two, in my opinion. At year one, I agree with you. Second half adjustments on offense, there, there weren't many because he didn't feel like he had much to do. Defense got uh, run down. Year two, though, uh, you talk about, oh, he did this in the second half, didn't didn't do great in the second half against, I don't know, Oklahoma State or, or TCU or whoever. But you're, you're, you're not mentioning what he did against Kansas State late, what he did against uh, Baylor late you're you're neglecting that and so it's it's one of those things where it's kind of like oh you were so shocked by it out of the gate that you're overwhelmed by it still and i will grant you that it's something that we need to look at and and monitor but i'm not as concerned about that uh overall the biggest concern i have for him is when he gets into play calling droughts of three and outs uh, that is the one thing that I think he needs to, and would probably admit to himself he doesn't want to do uh, like he has. And it's, it's probably, uh, you know, it helps when you have better receivers that can make first downs on little stop routes too, guys, uh, yes. and, and pick up cheap cheap first downs. He hasn't had that. He genuinely hasn't had that. So they have. They're going to have to. They're going to have to guard over the top. Worthy Mitchell Nayor, even J.T. Sanders to some degree. Whittington is always going to be the underneath guy. But my point being, those first downs become easier if you can go to either side of the field instead of just one side of the field. Uh, this next Super Chat's a cool one. Victor Aldrich says, I talked Texas football with my uncle Thomas Aldrich, who was a defensive end at Texas between 84 and 88. Give him a quick shout-out for me. We love this show. <laughs> right, Thomas, thank you for uh, playing for the University of Texas. Uh, and Victor, thanks for the super chat. I look, uh, I, I started at Texas in 1988 uh, through 1992, uh, and uh, there, the the great thing about uh, 
those, that group of guys and even guys before Thomas Aldridge, like Les Caning, um, played at Texas in the 70s. I still I talked to Les yesterday. Um, he's a retired now, former football coach. Um, they, these guys, Mike January, when we talked to him, uh, Jerry, they talk about how they're still in chats together with former teammates and how they reach back across decades, really. Uh, of, it's, it's, a, it's a brotherhood. And uh, uh, Courtney Garcia was on here earlier, right? Yep. And they're, everybody's tangentially related uh, through Texas football, and I think it's a great thing. Okay. Hey, is uh, a Victor uh, Thomas, are y'all related to Alan Aldridge, who played at U of H and in the NFL? I, I, he was from Willow Ridge. Yeah. I don't think so, but I, it could be wrong. All right, guys, we got a couple more Super Chats we got to get to. UT Boy says, good morning, Jerry Hamilton. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Blake. Well, good Matt, morning to Matt, you, pull it up, boys. Matt. Pull it up. Pull up the profile. <laughs> there he is. Jonte's world. <laughs> Jerry's ready for receiver. you this morning. <laughs> I, I'm getting UT Boy going early. Five-star receiver, Jonte's world. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, good morning, UT boy. We're glad you're here joining us, and we're glad that all of you are here. And also, I, don't – oh, go ahead, Bobby. i got to say this. I This is the great thing about the internet. Thomas Aldridge, okay, he still – he went to the Combine, apparently, and he was 6'2 and 1 – 6'2.1, 224 pounds, had a BMI of 29.37 – Jerry, you're going to like this hand size of 10.0. Wow. And ran a 4.83. There you go. That, is that not crazy that you can, that happened 30 years oh, ago. Wow. They're related to LaMarcus 30. Aldridge. Oh, are they really? Hey, tell LaMarcus to come on, uh, come on with us. Come on the show. We'll chop it up. We'll, Man, get a bigger, we'll get a bigger right screen so we don't cut off half his head, though. We'll get a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's man. only six foot eleven, right? Yeah. All right, we're, we're going to take a question from Inside Texas Forums. This is from Wolf Wolf Three. He wants to know what's the ceiling for Freddie Dubose. I, I think that's to be determined. Um, Freddie is an explosive athlete. He is a very high end athlete. Um, I, I think missing a, an entire season, um, his, his entire junior season puts him behind a little bit, obviously. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of an incomplete for me right now that I can have an answer. I want to see what he looks like on senior tape. Uh, but just as far as pure athleticism, look, I had a couple of college staffs that didn't win out for him say he's a freak athlete now. I mean, they see why, that what Texas liked about him for sure. Um, but they also said he's a ways away from being a complete uh, wide receiver who's ready for power five football. So I, I think that's kind of where it's at. Let's see what he looks like as a senior, but his ceiling's very high because he has uh, athleticism that not many people have. There's his first play from last night, uh, Jerry, uh, yesterday evening. Uh, first play, first touch since his return from uh, high school, uh, since his return uh, from knee injury. My question on Lamar, uh, on uh, uh, Freddie is this, guys. It's his knee. Is yeah. he going to be able to have that same level of athleticism, Jerry, that he had prior to the knee injury? Some guys, it it, it it catches immediately. Some guys, they have to work a year or two before they get full mobility back. Where is, where is uh, Freddie going to be as it relates to that? 
And that will di- dictate, in my opinion, his ceiling. Hey, guys, I want to just uh, make sure you all see this. Victor Aldridge just responded and says, definitely will do. Fun times. He supports the football team as yep. well. Thank you so guys. Thank you so much, you guys. Appreciate the shout out. Yeah, yeah Kevin Durant team. obviously was at the Texas Bama football game last year. Um, you know, th- those guys love Texas football. Uh, the guys that play basketball at Texas love Texas football. I mean, you there's a uh, in years past, there's been a group chat about that with a bunch of former Texas players that are in the NBA. And then one more from Victor says Lamarcus is around the basketball program a lot nowadays. The guys love him coming out to practice, especially yep. the bigs like the Sioux. No, no doubt. That's great to see. Uh, Lamarcus, DJ Augustine, Kevin Durant was on campus this summer. TJ Ford's there all the time. Yeah, those guys are uh, – Royal Ivy will be there more now that he's coaching with the Rockets. Um, yeah, those guys come back, and they, they love RT. They love Frank Hay, Chris Ogden, obviously played with those guys. So they got a, they got a good thing going with the alumni. Okay, guys, we got some more super chats that are rolling in here at the end. This this first one from UT Boy for you, Jerry. He says, Jerry Hamilton, I've heard that your true feelings about Jonte's talent overwhelms you. <laughs> Look, I, I'm I'm a big a big Jonte fan. I like the way he's approached his first few months at Texas, is what I like. It's one thing to be a highly ranked prospect. It's another thing that come in and work like you're a three-star prospect that has a chip on your shoulder. Uh, you combine that, those guys normally end up all right. <laughs> okay, this next one's from Jerry's GPS. want to thank him for the super chat. He says, with the clock running, do you expect we'll see more spikes to stop the clock now? Also, can you give us your prediction on 20-plus yard big plays? You know, I hadn't thought about the spike. Um, I doubt you see that many more spikes because if you have the ball, you're controlling the clock, essentially. Um, I do think it puts more onus on the quarterback and the play caller, uh, to be quicker. Um, I don't know if we'll see more spikes though. Um, prediction, but, but maybe a nominal amount that being said, right. Um, as far as prediction on 20 yard plus big plays, I expect Texas to have the most, I expect them to have the biggest play, big play offense they've had in a decade. What does that mean on number of them? I don't know. But I'm telling you, when you have A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, J.T. Sanders, Jonathan Brooks, and you have a guy with an arm like Quinn Ewers, you're going to get the ball downfield. So, it, And an offense like Steve Sarkeesian's. Uh, uh, what I would say on the spikes to stop the clock, I think in the last two, three minutes of a game, the team that's trailing, obviously trying to make up ground, they may have to implement them more. I mean, because that is a big difference in strategy late in games. Okay, with next Super Chats from Kyle Witherspoon. He says, it was relieving to seeing the second half collapses minimized from year one to two. One head scratcher was the two-minute offense clock management at the end of the Washington Bowl game. What was that about? I don't know. I, I, I'm having a hard time remembering that right now, to be honest, Kyle. I haven't, I haven't watched that game. I watched it twice, and I hadn't paid particular attention to the end of it. I'd have to go back and look. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll actually uh, go back and look at that today and, and probably talk to you about it uh, in the one o'clock chat. I'll, I'll do that. There you go. Okay, guys, this is going to be the last one. It's a loaded question. It's the super chat from John Campbell. He says, since you'd rather talk about things here without naming names, if you'd rather avoid it, 
What are the craziest things you've heard about, seen, and experienced in recruiting? Mm. Um, I'll. When I first got into this, there was a guy that that uh, literally. <laughs> I, I talked to a recruit. This is just this is a, was hilarious to me at the time because I was. This is back in the mid to early nineties, and I was calling a recruit from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And he had just visited Mississippi State. Okay. And I knew some guys on the Mississippi State staff at the time. And I, I called the recruit and I said, you know, so how was your weekend? Oh, man, it was great. I go, well, what'd you do? Oh, uh, well, we stayed in, played. It wasn't Madden at the time. It may have been Madden. We played video games and smoked weed. <laughs> right, I go, this is what do you mean? He goes, that's what we did. We played video games and smoked weed. I go, do me a favor. And this young man's name was Rashad. Rashad, do not repeat that to anybody else. I'm going to leave that out of the story. <laughs> but I thought that was that was back in the day. Uh, I've heard tales about um, college coaches taking kids to strip clubs back in the early 90s. I mean, uh it, it was a different. It was a different time before the internet and cell phone cameras. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I, I've got one that I wasn't a part of, but a, one of my colleagues in the business was. There was a commitment ceremony, um, east of Texas and east of Louisiana, either even, um, in the last decade. And my uh, friend in the business stayed behind after the ceremony to, was writing stories. A Mercedes picked up the mom and left. They brought her back 30 minutes later. Five minutes after that, another Mercedes came and picked the mom up and left and came back with her 30 minutes later. And um, her trunk was full. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy, Jerry Hamilton. <laughs> oh, man. All right. On that note. <laughs> but nobody knows who it is. Nobody will ever know who it is. <laughs> but that's a fun recruiting story, guys. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, y'all. On that note, Bobby, I'm going to let you um, tell everybody the rest of the schedule for today. Anything else that you want to get out there before we wrap it up? Well, I, I think there may be some news breaking here. I don't know exactly what it is, but I got a text. I got to figure out what that is. But uh, otherwise, we'll be back on at 1 o'clock. Uh, myself, Jerry, as well as Ian Boyd, we're going to talk a little X's and O's, a little more Texas football. Uh, tomorrow, uh, obviously, I got this uh, Saturday conversation with Paul, but we also have the scrimmage. Uh, Jerry and I will definitely be on uh, talking about that, uh, and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, I'm going to, to uh, see IMG. Uh, play tonight, uh, Jarrett Gibson and Jordan Johnson Ravel, the two uh, Texas commitments. So, uh, should be a fun day for me. Okay, guys. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We definitely appreciate it. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Don't forget to head on over to insidetexas.com for all the latest and greatest in Longhorn coverage. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton. I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next Monday at 8 a.m. <laughs>